Hello everyone and welcome to Shakti Speaks. I'm Nala. And I'm Marco. And today we're going to be talking about trauma and spirituality. So we can start with a definition of what is trauma or how do we see trauma. For me, I see trauma as most simply a fragmentation within our systems somewhere along the way. What that means is at some point something was too much too soon or too overwhelming for our systems to process and there's a part of us that kind of shuts down and gets stuck in those places. And then as we move along in life, similar situations will happen that remind us of that experience and we'll get pulled back to that original experience and are actually acting or behaving from that place of consciousness rather than our present adult whole selves. Trauma, another definition is not being able to be in the present moment. So you can see how that would be and how that would affect our daily lives and our spiritual paths if we're not able to be fully present and have all of ourselves online. If there's constantly pieces of ourselves that are going off or there's kind of the like emergency signals or other things that keep catching us, then we can't really be fully present with our process. And sometimes we're well aware of these traumas and sometimes not so much at all. I also want to say that trauma can be a really big one-time event, like a close death or a car accident or some big event like this, or it can be a little bit more chronic and long-term, like not having a safe or loving caregiver growing up or being in a society or a community where there is very much uh, drama or some kind of pain inflicted upon one. So that's kind of the range of how I see trauma. Is there mm-hmm. anything you want to say? The way I see trauma is as something that is very unnatural to our soul consciousness something that is not native to our way of being and is so foreign that it's very difficult to integrate with our picture of reality and who we are. Mm -hmm. And so this can be a speeding up of time or a slowing down of time. So it can either be a freeze or it can be an acceleration Mm -hmm. that takes us out of the the normal frequency and pace of our lives and creates a loop. And so then that loop exists as this, like you said, a fragmentation of our wholeness, of our beingness, and it gets stored in certain parts of the body, certain parts of the psyche, and it vibrates with such a specific energy that we usually tend to attract that energy or become reactive when something rubs up on that specific energy, something that reminds us of the trauma. Yeah, and I... I'm a very visual person. So the way I see it is like I'm looking at my own body or just like at a skeleton and I'm seeing the energy running through it, right? Like the natural Kundalini, our our spiritual life force is moving through it. And then there's these certain parts of us, these certain parts of our bodies and energy bodies where the trauma is held and represented. And so the energy literally cannot move through there. So we're kind of having to create all of these twists and turns within ourselves rather than just like, ah, like being fully relaxed and being able to be fully present and, and here and with it. Right. And in 
the way that I see spiritual evolution is no matter what practice we're engaging in, what modality we are, we are practicing, there is a natural flow of kundalini rising up towards the higher centers and then eventually coming back to the heart, right? So if we're meditating, if we're chanting, if we're doing kundalini yoga, um, when we're doing art, these are all things that lift our energy and enliven us. So this kind of universal process of evolution is really just kundalini life force energy rising up the spine and awakening all of our different centers of consciousness. And so when trauma gets inserted anywhere in the energy body, Kundalini simply cannot rise and complete her circuit. So then there we are, fragmented and unable to move past these invisible obstacles. And in most spiritual paths, I have not seen trauma addressed. Definitely not in the old scriptures. Um, I really haven't seen it at all. There's always been spirituality. You meditate, you chant, you have all of these practices that awaken kundalini and then you have the self-help section which is dedicated for people that are trying to resolve issues that are more emotional and worldly mm-hmm. some or, or maybe even just more more human mm-hmm. you know l- less on the transcendent side of things so i'm curious this is something that i've been thinking about lately why is trauma not addressed in spiritual texts Mm -hmm. and really just exploring the interplay between trauma and spirituality because as a culture we're highly traumatized and yet spirituality isn't addressing these things and spirituality represents our path home to ourselves which can't happen without trauma resolution Mm -hmm. so one of the conclusions that i came to was maybe because we were living closer to nature, closer to the mother of life, there was less of a separation between our spirit and our body. And as we know, trauma gets stored in the body and the body has this very deep wisdom within it. And it could be that the stimulation of this age and the fast pace is causing more trauma that maybe in older days, we could have something really intense happen, but we would have our community to support us. We would have Mother Nature herself, which holds such a great wisdom and a reflection for us so that we can heal. Also her plants, her medicines, her herbs, Mm -hmm. all of these things. These are all things we've gotten far away from and then deeper into our own fragmentation as a society and through technology and things like this. And it creates so much stimulation that I feel like trauma is actually more prevalent now than it used to be. And maybe that's why it wasn't even being addressed. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, a piece of it. And when you say we used to be closer to the earth, what I imagine is an image of a person grieving and laying flat on their belly on the earth, you know, and Mm -hmm. giving it back to the mother. I think that's such a primal and natural way of being and I think we had so many resources like that in the past where we didn't need all of the 
you know, Instagram mental health advice and things like that, but we're in a different age now. So it feels important to do it from this place of reconnecting consciously. We have to do the work ourselves rather than it being kind of ingrained within our cultures and our tribes. Right. And, and I do think that we are entering into a new phase of spiritual evolution that is much less based on transcendence. Mm -hmm. So that's something to speak to also, because a lot of the paths that we've, that are, you know, like the five major religions and even the mystic paths within those are based on transcending this reality. And so you're not really going to address the earthly human trauma if you're just trying to blast out the crown chakra, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just not, that's not what's important. But now as we're remembering to come back to the earth, then we really must. Um, Yeah, it's an age of integration. I really like your, your picture that you had of the person grieving on the floor. Like uh, we've seen, I mean, I think it was you telling me about the grieving mother who lost their child and how they, they just have this primal scream and there's not really an allowance in, in our society for that right now. It doesn't, everything is so boxed in. And, um, so I'm curious if you can speak a little bit to a little bit more on that because of your training and somatic experiencing and your practice with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. I do think culturally, we don't support each other because we don't know how or there's not that kind of acceptance anymore. I think we all have an innate remembrance or blueprint of having a healthy nervous system and knowing how to sort of shake off or complete whatever process is happening for us. I mean, this is what how Peter Levine started to create somatic experiencing and and figure out well animals in the wild by and large are not getting ptsd and they're at threat for their lives probably more often than modern day humans are right but then look at us we're so traumatized as a species and why is that and so that's kind of what somatic experiencing is founded upon it's like oh why does that happen and a huge part of it is because we've lost our innate way of healing. That's really what it comes down to. We've lost touch with the body wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, our Primal society. Roots. Yeah, our, our society and our, not just our Western society, but um, modern day society around the world. You know, there's less connection to the earth, to our bodies. There's more connection to technology. And so we don't have as much awareness. And this brings me to a point that I wanted to touch on of like, how is trauma stored in the body? How is it not just, you know, in my psyche and in my mind? Why are we saying that it's in the body? Well, when we have these experiences of overwhelm, we may not even have awareness of it, but our body experiences it along with our psyche, right? So we may say, oh, well, I don't really have very much, you know, felt sense within my body, or I don't really... I can't really tune into how I'm feeling within my physical body. A lot of people are cut off from sensation and from emotion within the body, which I think is both speaking to, you know, a little bit more of a disconnected society, but also it's speaking to body wisdom and body intuition not being so on the forefront anymore. Because it is like 
figuring out a new language. You know, that's, that's the work I do in somatic therapy is I'm helping people reconnect with these parts of their bodies that naturally they've learned ways around, you know, how we talked about in the beginning, like it's a fragmentation in a certain part of your body. And naturally we create ways to move around them. And that's the discomfort that starts to come in our lives. And once it gets pretty unbearable and life starts reflecting all of these things that aren't working for us, we go, okay, let me actually see what's underneath, you know, and then we can start to drop into the body and feel the places of where the things are stuck. And even if we, we say or we feel like, oh, well, I don't really hold much in my body or I don't really have much sense there. Think about when you're hungry or when you have to pee, right? How do you know? Everything that we feel is felt in the body, right? Any thought we have has some kind of physical representation within our systems. That's why visualization works. That's why if I say right now, imagine yourself in your favorite place in nature with crisp, fresh air and whatever animals or, you know, water, whatever it is that's around you that feels nice, your breath is going to change you know, mm -hmm. your energy is going to change. And so I don't think it's so much about people not having access to these healing tools. That's absolutely an aspect of it. But then it's also about the space that we're creating to, um, to actually drop in and do that work. Right. So the fragmentation between our body and our spirit is essentially what's really allowing the trauma to be as strong and such an as much of an influence it is in our daily lives today okay. that's a really good point because also we're talking about really returning to a whole a holistic spiritual awakening mm -hmm. wholeness doesn't come from transcendence only and it doesn't come from embodiment only it comes from the two merging i mean true embodiment to me can't really happen unless you've collected your spirit and it's in your body also. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is people are thinking that spirituality is about transcending all of this, but we're entering into a phase now where we have to address the body wisdom, just like they do muscle testing. Your body already has an intuition of what's good for it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has been forgotten on the spiritual path. So it makes it very difficult to remember our wholeness if we are, if we're trying to return home, ignoring the body temple. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a feminine art, mm -hmm. you know, I like how you said it yesterday. It's kind of like an abstract art of the feminine where we can go in and feel and, and I think it is really special because it represents trauma as there's actually a hidden jewel or hidden message there for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't see trauma anymore as, oh no, this terrible thing happened, you know, and it's so unfortunate. That's one aspect of it that we do need to look at and we do need to hold and nurture. And then the other aspect is, well, what's, what's in it for me? Where is my energy was locked in there, right? So some part of myself is stuck in there. And the beautiful thing about transforming your healing trauma is once that that knot or fragment is supported and um, 
kind of aired out into wholeness, then we get that energy back that was stuck there, you know? And this isn't just like a hopeful thought or an idea. It's literal that we have energy stuck in these places. So as we start to heal that trauma, whoa, there's all these new parts of ourselves that are coming online and wow, who is this person? And the beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things I feel about this kind of body wisdom and somatic therapy is that we don't, it's not a top-down approach. We don't have to think our way out of it or affirm or, you know, even change our behavior in certain ways, like classic talk therapy or something, which I will say those things are very useful as well. But what I love about this kind of somatic therapy is that it's a bottom-up approach. It just happens naturally. The trauma is resolved and healed. And then from that place, the energy just sort of ripples out into life and we just get to live differently now. You know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be so painful. We don't have to relive everything in such a painful way. Yeah, it's interesting. In the yogic tradition, you have what's called the grantis. And the grantis are knots within the kundalini, within the body, Mm -hmm. at the root, at the heart, Mm -hmm. and then in the third eye. And so each of these unravels as kundalini rises and it's time, you know, there's definitely a pace to our evolution. We don't want to do it too much too fast because then even spiritual awakening can be traumatizing as we see Mm -hmm. a lot of the times with psychedelics and things like this. Um, But in the work that we've done with trauma resolution, it's become very clear that these knots, just like the grantis, are kind of like spiritual initiations. Yes. And it's a really good perspective to have because it takes the weight off of off of all of this. You know, once we recognize that moving through this is going to have me be so much closer to myself, not only that, but it will have tuned me into the suffering of humanity, which is also an integral part of spiritual awakening that people tend to ignore, mm-hmm. um, that it actually is full spectrum. We have to tune into everything. I experienced this recently, you know, we both had this year some very strong traumas come to resolution. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I felt like I had experienced one of the greatest initiations of my life, really. And, And I have gone through some really wild initiations, but this one was like no other, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm so grateful to be with you Mm -hmm. and have, have, you know, a, a trauma healer around me. I think that was part of even being able to unravel it is just the consciousness of it existing in the air. And, and what I noticed was that it felt just like some of the other big initiations that I've been through spiritually in my life to the point where even afterwards I started to question, am I, I started to feel so good about it. I started to feel this great power that I was like, am I actually like identifying with the trauma now or do I have Stockholm syndrome and am I, am I identifying with the cause of the trauma? And I started to feel almost kind of, I was questioning myself a lot. Why do I feel this big, like almost like proud energy, this pride. And I, I finally through meditation got down to the the core of it. And it was actually a sense of triumph Mm -hmm. of having gone through the fire and learned so much through it and then integrated my system. So now I have this really deep imprint in my system of what this kind of suffering is like 
mm-hmm. so I can be of service to others with that, that, that hold that in their bodies and in their psyches. And also in my own body, I was able to take this huge fragment and withdraw it back into the wholeness of who I am. So it is something to be really excited about. Absolutely. And I really love that point because it's so integral to trauma healing. It's such a hallmark of trauma resolution to feel that sense of triumph or completion. I mean, what else would we feel when we feel a huge part of ourselves coming back? You know, Mm -hmm. it is soul retrieval. It is parts of deeper parts of ourselves, perhaps that we have never, ever met before. You know, that's why I always say at the beginning of working with somebody, just really envision for yourself who you know yourself to be. Even if you've never lived that, even if it feels really big or, or really far away, the trauma really tricks us into thinking that this is the only place we can go in our lives because it it's a complete roadblock, you know. And so really envisioning what can I come into and and eventually embodying that triumph you know, embodying that freed up energy. Mm-hmm. I also love what you spoke to about having community or having the right support because yeah. that's another huge part of trauma resolution that's really, really important. Our bodies know when it's safe to open. Mm-hmm. So we can't pry them open. We can't force the process. Um, we really shouldn't have it be too huge, you know, cathartic repeatedly, unless it's really, really appropriate. I know on certain, certain parts of our spiritual path and just in life in general, it's appropriate to have cathartic experiences, right? It's appropriate to go to a festival and, you know, take LSD or whatever it is and, and really feel yourself deeply and meditate or have a deeply spiritual experience. So I, I think there just needs to be awareness and care that trauma loves to be processed gradually because what didn't get to happen is enough time and space for us to really understand and integrate what happened. Mm -hmm. So this next time around, we have to be slow. We have to be more careful. We have to be more caring. And I noticed for myself, some of my biggest traumas didn't come to the surface, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I focused on them until certain factors landed, such as us being in Miami and being really stable and not traveling for a year and a half. My nervous system got a deep exhale, right? Or, um, having plenty of money to work with a, a practitioner, right? Like, oh, okay. I have that spaciousness now. I know I'm good. I know I can focus on myself or even having support. Like, oh, I have my community around me that is available to help support me in this or group work or whatever it is. But the point is our bodies know, and they need those certain pieces to feel safe. Safety is the absolute foundation of starting to resolve our trauma. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would have even been able to have a reflection i wouldn't have been able to source where this whole thing is coming from if i was not living with somebody who had it in their field all the time so that community aspect is really powerful for me and i think that's one of the beautiful things actually you know finding the beauty in in all of these very difficult things is that trauma 
reminds us that we really do need one another mm. to heal. We're, we're living in such an individualistic society and we've lost the tribe. So we're all running around trying to, you know, basically trauma robots. We don't realize it, but we're being guided by our trauma in, in all these actions. And we don't usually have the community to just hold a safe space for us. As soon as that safe space is held, then the natural body wisdom will start to activate. And without that space, then we're just on autopilot. And it's the same thing with spirituality. You know, I've, I came from a highly individualized path and I'm very independent in general, but I started to actually have deep visceral experiences of how we all really do need each other's reflections. That oneness is not just some lofty concept mm -hmm. that we all really do come from the same place. And so, the community aspect is really integral. Yeah. And I love what you said about kind of like trauma robots or zombies or something. I'm not sure what phrase you used, but it's really, it really depicts how trauma lives through us, you know, because we do walk around in sort of this embodied fragment or trauma hang up you know we're just kind of always in this place without really even knowing it trauma is sneaky it's sneaky yeah. i had no idea yeah that it could affect so many levels of my being until some of the big resolutions came and all of a sudden I felt like a whole new person. And I'm someone who's dedicated my entire life yeah. to knowing myself, to being deep within myself, to doing my spiritual practice and really getting to know the most intimate layers of my being. And still mm -hmm. it was that sneaky. Yeah. And I do love that trauma also can heal certain certain pieces of ourselves in one fell swoop so it's not just you know you have to go into every single little piece of trauma i hear from so many people i work with like oh there's so much yeah. there's so much how could i ever yeah the domino and effect happens that does. cascading light yeah that just hits all the points once and that that core is addressed yeah and we never know what pieces are connected to what? I mm -hmm. think that's what's so exciting and fascinating about trauma healing within the spiritual path because we touch one piece that we maybe had no idea about or had an idea about but didn't know what it was connected to. We go there, we work on that place, we sit with it, you know, we have some tea and hang out with those parts of ourselves, we see what they want to reveal to us. They, we see what kinds of lessons or what kinds of things we just weren't aware of before because we didn't have capacity for it. And it's the most beautiful spiritual process to see someone sit with themselves, let those pained experiences unravel, be held in it and supported and hold it themselves, and then be able to come out of it, come out to the other side and and feel such a sense of wholeness and empowerment mm -hmm. it brings so much empowerment it's like you get to the other side and there's this innate i can that comes from trauma resolution right you get to know yourself i mean i feel like there's a very zen aspect to it actually especially the way that you work with the se um, with the somatic experiencing it's it's kind of like when a zen teacher 
will have an interview with a student mm -hmm. and the student will be asked a question, you know, and that one question is so impactful on, on that person's entire reality. And it also just unwinds everything. Right. And it gives them an opportunity to be the observer. Yeah. And this is something that the longer we are in the observer state in that Zen witnessing, the more we learn to identify with that. And that's part of the empowerment. I am now looking from a whole new lens at the wholeness of my being. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually having this meditative experience because in deep meditation, we are simply the witnesses of reality. Mm -hmm. And so we are not identified any longer with these things that happen to us or the way that we're functioning. We're taking a step back and just being in a field of pure awareness. Yeah. And that is spiritual evolution. Being in a space of pure awareness is what reminds us of our true nature. Yeah. It's that separation that really allows us to go in to process and do that work and not stay stuck there. You know, mm -hmm. that's a huge part that I like to remind people too, is that we're not going to go back and do the same thing we've been doing. We don't need to go back to these painful places and just hang out there forever and hope that they resolve. Visually, I like to see it as we're going in into this underworld or into this, you know, not that you've experienced and we're not going to have so much of a focus there. We're going to have a focus on what's beyond that, right? Like once we process through that, what's on the other side? So really having, again, that focus of this is what it can bring me rather than, oh my God, I'm going to get stuck again. Because oftentimes the reason that we avoid going into the trauma healing, even subconsciously, is because it's just too much, you know? So as soon as your system gets the signal that, oh, it doesn't have to be so intense and so big and we don't have to go in and just hang out and stay stuck there, but we're actually moving through it and, and gaining the jewels from it, that changes everything because this, then this your nervous system joins up with you mm -hmm. and goes, let's do this work, I'm ready for that. Yeah, and it's the same thing in the spiritual path. It seems like this big lofty mm -hmm. thing and you have to scale the mountain and you have to do all this where you have to explode out into samadhi and all this stuff and it seems like this big insurmountable obstacle but actually the way to get there is through this very calm process of simply integrating yourself and yourself mm -hmm. yeah i think this is a perfect point to talk a little bit about meditation and trauma. I hear so often from people that I work with, and it's my own personal experience that meditation can be so hard when you have trauma. And I think the reason for this is because what is meditation? It's you sitting in stillness with yourself. And what trauma does is not only blocks us off from, you know, having that full flowing energy of ourselves, but it also blocks us off from being present and being still because it makes us too anxious or overwhelmed. And the reason for that is because when we sit to meditate, things come up, you know, it's a natural mirror. So if we have a whole bunch of unresolved trauma and we're trying to sit in stillness and trying to quiet our minds and, and just come to stillness, probably a lot is going to come up. And so 
it's actually a quite intelligent move from our body. You know, it's, it's, it's an intelligent tactic to keep us in a place, keep us safe from really tuning into those pieces because our, our system doesn't want us to be overwhelmed. Now, the nuance is having experienced it myself, avoiding meditation or spiritual practice because I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm traumatized. So, you know, I really shouldn't do that or I shouldn't go there. And I think it's really important to be honest with ourselves and with our paths and having the knowledge of what can support trauma is really important. But ultimately we have to um, tune into our own body wisdom and our own spiritual path to know what is going to help us. Yeah. Know? What's the gradual incremental holistic approach that's going to allow us to get as deep as we want to if we excuse it away then we're not doing ourselves a service but if we try to push through then we're also doing ourselves a disservice and really it is nearly impossible to have great spiritual awakenings until we address our trauma but it's very difficult also to address our trauma if we're not taking time to sit with ourselves so it's it's about the way I've experienced it, it's about combining both the meditation, the attempt at meditation and getting used to being in ourselves and then finding a way to have trauma resolution. And like we just talked about, I think it, for me, it was very humbling to realize that there were certain things that I needed you and other people in my life, in my life to reflect to me and to hold space for in order for me to grow. So then that ties into that spiritual concept of simultaneous oneness and difference mm -hmm. at the same time that I am one within myself I am also all of everybody else and so we really need both sides of that yeah in my path I and you know how you would kind of avoid meditation because the trauma was there and it just felt like it was too much my path was actually to go so deep into the spiritual path into my kundalini body and leave my body you know i would have these deep experiences of my kundalini rising and all of a sudden i would be out of my body in the cosmos and i had and continue to have real experiences true realization through that that life has shown me time and time again are that i'm really experiencing aspects of my true nature but it wasn't until recently that I saw and experienced how I was bypassing certain parts of myself by leaving my body all the time and so it's really trippy to my psyche because I'm saying I'm having these really profound experiences where I'm meditating I'm breathing doing these kundalini breaths they're bringing me into my higher chakras. I'm able to actually experience cosmic consciousness. Then I come back into my body and there's still something there waiting for me. I didn't know that. How do I know the difference between the two when I'm having genuine realizations, but I'm also realizing that just now I'm realizing that I was blasting past some blockages in order to get there. Yeah, and I, I think it's about trusting our paths that trusting ourselves right in our own integrity of like I want to do the right thing I think there's an aspect of that there's an aspect of having this knowledge 
of, oh, this can happen. That's mm-hmm. an automatic reflection for what's going on in my journey. And then I think a relieving point is that our systems will always bring us to what we need to know. You know, I see this in sessions right. and then I see this in our spiritual path where if we miss something, it's going to come back. It's going to come back to show us what needs to be healed, what needs to be seen, what needs to be resolved. So if we are in good standing and right relationship with our healing process, with our spiritual journey, then we can trust ourselves, right? And then we can also trust our own intuition of our bodies and our souls that whatever it is that we need to know is it's going to come back around. So as much as you maybe were doing your meditation and doing your work and yet still somehow managed to bypass this part, well, bypassing isn't always horrible when it's, it's the nervous system's doing. It's right. a nervous system protection mechanism. So that's yeah. not to, you know, say that bypassing is a great thing, but our nervous systems have so many things that they do in order to keep us safe. And we have to be aware of those things. And even if we're not at a certain point, we'll, we'll become aware of yeah. the patterns. I mean, I do think it's really good to just have the knowledge that these things happen. Once we have the knowledge, then we're already set up for success. Yeah, like if someone told me, hey, Nala, you are having trouble meditating because perhaps there's something going on within your system that just feels really sped up and like it's too much, you know, and maybe that's why naturally you don't want to keep doing that. You don't want to keep sitting with yourself and being quiet and being still because it's really anxiety provoking for you. I'd be like, yeah, that's so true. And perhaps that doesn't mean that I need to run away from it, but perhaps that means, hey, maybe I need to start creating a bridge from my daily quick moving life and this complete stillness of meditation through practices within my body, you know, maybe through a yoga practice or through some feminine embodiment practices such as putting on some music and intuitively moving to it. Right, right. And, and, linking the breath and the body and then that starts to create the link for us of like oh okay I'm I did this practice this morning and I felt so much pain in my shoulders and had this recognition that I actually have pain in my shoulders like 90% of the time right so it's like we're we, we have to create a bridge sometimes between the two before we can kind of just jump into one or the other yeah and that would make sense as we talk about more feminine modes of spirituality what in Tantra you would call the micro practices, yes. you become aware throughout the day more and more of your breath or of a spaciousness within your heart or something like this. And the more you come back to it, the more really you're in communion with your true nature and the more you're realizing yourself rather than just sitting for one big block or one big chunk. And then that helps to create a bridge so that you can later on sit down for a big chunk of deep meditative work because well, I don't want to call it work, but meditation mm-hmm. happens when we have learned to bridge our normal waking consciousness through feminine practices that then allow for that more masculine, solid practice to come through. Mm-hmm. And I really like this idea of the micro practices because there's so many things between the psychology and trauma world that mirror the spiritual world. And so I feel like the micro practices in the authentic tantric path are sort of a reflection for 
um, building islands of safety, we call it within somatic experiencing. So you're starting to find parts of yourself that feel good or uh, less bad than other parts of you. You know, for some people, the whole body is off limits. It's just it's just bringing up too much, you know, to even reference the body. So what we can start to do is find places within ourselves through these practices or through seeing a somatic experiencing practitioner or other somatic therapist and naturally starting to find places within ourselves that are safe. And from there, you, it starts to kind of take over the same way the micro practices of focusing on breath for 15 seconds a day, uh, 60 times a day or what have you starts to seep into the rest of your life. So it's right. that same kind of thing of, you know, working through your system and probably at first with a guide or with some kind of facilitation, whether it's in, you know, an embodiment class or something where you're learning practices or with a therapist and starting to find those parts of yourself that feel okay, then you start to embody that more and more and more the same way in the spiritual path where you start to embody that sense of spaciousness that that spacious awareness as your default right and i think that really will help us to not trauma bond with our spiritual path because Mm -hmm. i feel like this is something that happens when we become very obsessive um our this void that we have inside or this really intense acceleration gets projected into our spiritual path and it becomes this kind of obsessive energy or or, or this hasty kind of thing that we're always needing to do this and that when we take the time to really slow down throughout the day then we're not feeling like we always have to be in these really radicalized states yeah i think it's the classic case of somebody coming into spirituality and innocently enough going to all of the Reiki healing circles and all of the sound healings and all of the events and just focusing their whole life on healing and shadow work. And as much as this is extremely important, it's also extremely important to enjoy life, you know, to start to bring in kind of those sort of resources, you know, aligning your body, not just with, I'm really focused on trauma healing, but then also how about focusing on the parts of yourself that that feel good or that are starting to emerge that are creative or just practices that are nurturing for the self mm-hmm. you know it's really important to have both of those pieces rather than just focusing because the spiritual path is not just you know the classic like we are sinners so we need to figure out all the parts of ourselves that are bad and fix them that's the classic thing that we hear of like you know, you're not broken. It's not just about healing. Don't just focus on that. And I think for me, what that means is look at your whole life as your spiritual work, you know, yeah. where can you dig in and do the work? And then where can you, where can you enjoy and take care of yourself? Well, the way I'm experiencing that is activation versus being deactivated. You know, there's a difference between being turned off and being relaxed. Definitely. And there's a difference between being in a very deep ecstasy and being just stimulated. And some some of what I've noticed is when people get really obsessed with their spiritual path and, and, and the activation energy, it's a checking out rather than a tuning in. So you can experience pretty amazing states that are that are somewhat blissful, but it's not like the full bliss, you know, that has to be countered in my eyes with a sense of deep relaxation. 
Yeah. And being not turned off, but relaxed. And I think that's a difficult state for many to come to that are still experiencing lived trauma within themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the very act of slowing down, like we were talking about with meditation before, is the very act of reflection, of looking at what's there. And so all of our nervous systems are tuned in different ways. Like you said in the beginning of, you know, sometimes it's a sped up reaction and sometimes it's a shut down reaction. We all kind of find our comfort in these different pockets. You know, some of us really attract a lot of activation and fight energy and, and, and also positive, you know, activation, like doing a lot. There's that kind of, we're just prone to sort of more global high activation. We're just always up here. We see these people all the time, right? Because that's what our culture produces. And then we also see the, the very direct opposite, which is, um, always lethargic. I'm always depressed. I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. And I'm just in this slow sort of dead feeling place, right? And that place, interestingly, is is actually um, sort of like the umbrella that is on top of all that activation. So that's sort of the freeze state. Now we're getting into a little bit more of the psychoeducation, talking about the nervous system. When we're in that free state, it means we actually have a ton of charge underneath that. We only go into depression and into those Um, kind of deflated states when our system is so overwhelmed because there's actually so much there that we just shut off and we're like I can't you know and that's why the gradual defrosting is so important Mm -hmm. and I think this is huge for our world right now Mm -hmm. you know because so many of us as a collective were traumatized in the last couple years with everything going on in the world and there's this element of everybody just freezing and don't say anything and uh, like just focused on safety and we're all looking around at each other going, what's safe right now, right? So it's like our whole nervous system as a collective has tuned together and perhaps we'll talk about that more specifically on another podcast, but the importance as a collective right now, I feel, is to start to slowly find spaces of safety within our own bodies and within our own communities. How can we start to feel embodied, feel grounded? Where can we find ourselves taking a nice exhale, you know, and being supported? Yeah, or else we're just matching the frequency of our trauma with a busy mind or intensive spiritual practices Mm -hmm. or something to make us. It's like we have the wisdom to know that we want to be at that frequency but we're feeling we're, we're on a parallel track. We're not actually touching the thing itself. We're just kind of like looking over it every once in a while from this other track of being in the busy mind, work mind, or applying that to the spiritual path, just being obsessed with practice and things like this. I'm seeing that all of this is really coming back to this huge phase of evolution we're at. Like we talked about earlier, you mentioned the integration age mm-hmm. and how it seems like we're coming out of this very patriarchal yoga journey on earth where it's all been about transcendence. Now we're getting this guidance, this wisdom to come back into the body. And that's why we're seeing embodiment coaches popping up everywhere. We can't be embodied without slowing down and choosing to be in our bodies 
And when we occupy our bodies, then the trauma is naturally going to come up. So there's this really beautiful thing happening in our lives and in, in life in general right now, where we're all being asked to slow down and be present with our bodies so that we can then accelerate up into the higher frequencies and create a very fluid bridge between the two. And when that fluid bridge has been created and that heart center is, is at the very core of it, then we can really live as the bridges between the heavens and the earth that we are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And as we really open up to bridge the heavens and the earth through our trauma healing and through our spiritual path and the syncing up of the two and eventual merging of the two, do you have any simple practical advice for people who are recognizing that they've been on a spiritual path wanting to go deep within themselves but that there's these blockages that might be very subtle or just tricky that they're wanting to move through Mm -hmm. you mean like what kinds of things can they do for themselves to Mm -hmm. start to get on that journey yeah what are just a couple simple practices that you might recommend to somebody mm-hmm. who is wanting to create that bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's so many different approaches because again, I would recommend something different for somebody that's really anxiety prone versus somebody that's really uh, depression prone or fro- frozen, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of different places that we end up. And we can also have both, by the way, that's extremely common. It's actually like the classic cocktail of our society is those both extremes that end up balancing each other out. So I think in both situations or in any situation, coming back to the body is really the key. You know, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And we have to do it in the way that feels good for us. So one practice I could recommend is putting on just one song that you like it doesn't matter what genre or speed or anything and feeling your breath and your body as you allow yourself to move intuitively and this could be a practice where you're on the ground where you're laying down and just stretching or you're kind of in the cat cow all fours position or or just in child's pose like any of these kinds of things where we can just have a little bit of movement and start to tune in and really just notice you know it's as simple as that we're starting to bring the light of awareness to our bodies another way to do it if we're not feeling up for you know so much movement or maybe that's even too daunting we can simply sit with ourselves and just notice your whole body and notice the boundary of your skin from where you reside and then the outside world you can even place one hand um, under your armpit and the other hand over the opposite arm and kind of just like hang your arms there. And what that does is gives our system a sense of relaxation and containment. And from this place of noticing where you are, tuning into what's coming up, right? Does it feel comfortable? Does it feel really relaxing? Even doing a body scan and noticing where do I feel my breath getting stuck? You know, mm-hmm. I think there's an element of really bring, bringing curiosity to the system, which is also so important because trauma, curiosity is kind of the antidote to trauma. 
because if we can show up with a curious heart, that means there's a sense of safety innate in that, you know, let me show up and just be open to what's here. Mm -hmm. And so we're creating spaces for that. So I would say the one song and really slow, intentional movement and breath is really big. Mm -hmm. And then if we want to just sit and kind of do this practice of, you know, feeling our skin boundary and noticing it, or even physically touching the boundary of our bodies, or imagining that it works as well. And just doing a body scan, noticing, noticing what we notice, you know, it's, it's one of these things where when we give it space and attention and awareness, and we have that foundation of presence and safety, like I'm here with you, we can already start to pick up on little pieces. And then from there, of course, you know, yeah, establishing intimacy with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say from your perspective? I really resonate with that idea of containment and holding the self. I remember pretty early on in my spiritual path, after really deep pranayam sessions, I would sometimes just kind of hold myself naturally. My my energy body was saying, just hold yourself. And so I would also add to that self-love, holding, containing yourself with a sense of self-love, because really, love is the greatest healer. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about a forcing, it's about getting into a state where we are receptive to our own love by just containing ourselves, you know, hugging ourselves, loving ourselves. And, and when we do the body scan, noticing the breath, like you mentioned is key because I do feel breath is the greatest healer, just like love. Those two together are the twin energies of pure healing and awakening. Um, Another thing that I really, that really helps me is just dedicating space to be relaxed. For me, I was always very activated spiritually on these highs, doing constant pranayam, going to the crown chakra constantly. And like I said, this served for very deep realization that is genuine within my heart. And yet it has been so helpful after all of that to allow myself to just relax. Mm -hmm. Um, When I did a rolfing session, once she gave me this practice to simply lay on my back and thrust my pelvis very, very slightly, micro movements. Yes. And doing this instead of going into some crazy yoga pose or going into some deep pranayam session was so relaxing for my entire system And it took a little while to get used to because I I still felt like I needed to be doing something Mm -hmm. powerful to be activating or healing or awakening. And just to give myself that space to feel it's okay to slow down, relax. And sense how much this micro movement can shift. So sometimes I will just lay on on the ground and I will just lift my pelvis ever so slightly and then let it fall back. And I will feel this this ripple of energy moving up and down my spine and it's being done in this very slow and contained and relaxing way with a deep, you know, the self love is there inherently in just the fact that I'm giving myself the space to, for this process to happen. And that's been invaluable for me. It's been really helpful. So that's what I'd recommend. Yeah. And I love the subtlety aspect because Mm -hmm. it is so subtle. All these pieces, of ourselves that have been lost along the way, 
we do need to have precise awareness, slowness, openness, and care as we go in. Those are sort of the ingredients we need in order to open up and feel ourselves in that way. And it's kind of like a trauma is like a slinky, like there's so many rungs within it. There's so much within it that if we just pull it, pull it ever so gently apart and slow it down, we start to actually be able to feel all those little points you know now we don't have to feel all of them of course but that's what you're doing when you're slowing down into that subtle little by little by little Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's what it is being gentle and caring and i wanted to also mention around the self-love piece if that feels you know, uh, if there's resistance to it or that feels really hard because of the things that you've been through and there's not enough self-love available there, just notice that, you know, for now we're just starting to understand what comes up. And I love that also about somatic therapy that when we, when, when there's a no or a blockage or we kind of hit a point that we can't go past, it's not a bad thing because it's giving us information about what this body's story is so we don't have to feel you know defeated or depleted by the process we're really just keeping that mindset of loving curiosity and loving awareness what's here oh how interesting i actually have these parts of myself that just won't accept a b or c right we're just witnessing Mm -hmm. slowing down and witnessing and eventually the love will kick in because it is our most innate self it is our it is our truest nature to love so if we can just simply witness ourselves over time the love will kick in Mm -hmm. so maybe that's a good place to end on the love we love you all thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time